soil health is what's going to help save us for on many fronts in the future as we grow as a, a society and we start to realize our impact on the climate. You've been listening to Tom Marrero of Wakefield Biochar. This is episode 74 of the Get In My Garden podcast, and I'm Aaron Moskowitz. Today we learned from Tom about the background and history of biochar, plus the research and background that led him to start his family business. For those of you excited for a composting-specific episode again, I promise that will come soon. So what exactly is biochar, and what can it do and what can it not do? Tom tells us all of this and why it is used for soil health and remediation. The last portion of our interview is about different types of biochar and the process of making it and understanding the overall sustainability of biochar. Reach out to me anytime to connect at Get In My Garden on Instagram or leave a note on the website getinmygarden.com or stalk me on Facebook. Also, if you do go to my website, it's pretty basic, but you can sign up for the newsletter easily there. I have barely sent anything, but I will send interesting articles and supplemental content, as well as news about Get In My Garden and promos whenever possible. So can you tell us a little bit about your business and your background? I'd love to. Wakefield Biochar was actually, uh, we started about six years ago, and the company was started with my twin brother, Tony, and myself, and then our father, who was just getting to the point of retirement as a chemical engineering professor at the University of Missouri. Uh, and so uh, we felt like you can't have a retired professor hanging around doing nothing. So <laughs> let, let's let's start a business, right? Um, so he was very involved in green engineering, and so that was really helpful to kind of give us ideas. And as far as my background, I, I also I have a PhD in analytical chemistry from the University of Missouri. But my research was done in the in the '90s. Stanley Manahan was my advisor, and he actually did a lot of work with different types of chars, but specifically biochar was one of them. And he actually used the word biochar for the first time in a research paper back in the 90s. And that's really how it got the, the coin, the name biochar. Uh, it had been called many different things in the past, and it's been around for thousands of years. So I'm certainly not taking credit for the carbon material, but the name actually came from Stanley Manahan at the University of Missouri. How cool. Yeah, so that was that was my my background within. We were, I worked with uh, biochar dealing more in the remediation aspect of it, using it to sequester radioactive metals. Specifically, I worked at the research reactor at the university, trying to load it up with all kinds of radioactive isotopes and seeing if they would leach out into water and how we could sequester things better and keep it out of our groundwater and water systems and doing all kinds of fun things with that. And so that's that was where, where I sort of came from. And then my father had actually worked a lot with coal log pipelines and, and other sorts of ways to be more environmentally sustainable and friendly with how we manage all kinds of materials. And so, and then my brother had, uh, is, is more of a marketing guy and he's really into business and, and entrepreneurship and, and just a really good business sense to it. But he actually had a problem with place in his yard where he, he couldn't get grass to grow. And so my dad was like, well, why don't you try some, some biochar on there and throw it down and see what happens. And it actually helped his grass grow over a place where it hadn't been growing for years and he tried all different things and finally it worked. And so my brother was on board. He's like, this is a business. We've got to take this. That's and go. awesome. We started Wakefield that way. Wakefield itself is, uh, Tony made the name up. He said, you know, let's find something that means something. So we're waking up a field. We're generating better soil health. And it sounds a little bit like a Midwestern farmer. And we, we're all from totally. <laughs> So So Wakefield was the name, Wakefield Biochar. 
And so who are your customers mainly? Are you retail like with gardeners, people with their turf and whatnot, or also farmers? We are primarily for the the, the smaller scale gardener, uh, landscaper, and and farmer. Uh, That's our main focus. We do a lot of our stuff online through Amazon, our website, and other e-commerce platforms. There's a lot on Facebook about biochar and the different gardening groups. And like you said, it's a new term. I mean, it's not that new, but it's pretty new. I mean, and so I'm interested in that, but also the remediation. You could talk about that later. Very interested. So as far as gardening is concerned, like biochar, it's it's a great thing. And it really is going to the past. It's been around for, I mean, literally thousands of years. It's, you know, the Egyptians made it and they used all kinds of things with it. And they, there's actually other things that come out of the process, like wood vinegar and other things they could use for embalming. Along the Amazon, there were, there were, were millions of people that used to live in, in, in cultures that needed better soils along the Amazon because the soil is very, uh, not, it's not good soil, it's very infertile. So they added the, these carbon, carbon material and the corn could grow better and they could feed more people. And they realized when this char was made from their burning of things that it created a better soil. And so it's been around forever, but in gardening, it's really great because it's just, it's a natural way to increase the microbe activity in your soil, to decompact it, to make it, you know, airier for root growth. It holds water as well. Um, It holds nutrients. It's one of those things that has that ability to keep the the fertilizers and your, and nutrition in your compost in the soil and not let it leach away as easily. Uh And so that's where I think it's getting its notoriety right now. Yeah. I mean, the microbes that's really front and center in a lot of people's gardening there. I mean, there's a lot that we're learning about the soil food web and, you know, all sorts of microbes. It's still very much, I mean, if if a lot of people, they don't understand soil chemistry, but it's something that you can add to, to any soil, right? And it's going to potentially fix problems that you have that you don't know that you have. There are people that they get tests and then they can kind of figure out what to do from there. But even that's difficult for most people. Yeah. There's definitely certain things I'd want to tell people about biochar one not all biochar is the same and biochar is not a nutritional source for your soil it's not a fertilizer and those are the things like it's not a magic bullet for your soil and i i want to make sure people understand that that no one should be selling you a pure biochar and saying it's got some sort of like nutritional component that's really going to be good for your soil it's got a little bit and so it's not bad but it's not like a fertilizer it's not like a really good compost so, like, what are the top things that it's doing? I, I understand that, like, yeah. it, it's literally just a, a molecule. It's even a supplement that people take. I guess, like, yeah. it wouldn't it be the same as someone taking charred coconut or yes. something like that? Similar. So, it's, a, it's like a low, well, I'll call it a low-grade activated carbon. It is, right. It's, it's mostly, generally, it's mostly a carbon-based material. It's got some, what we call ash. It's where you could find a little bit of those micronutrients in it. But what it, what it really is doing for the soil is it's creating what we'll call a coral reef for your soil. It's creating a structure for that soil so that microbes have a place that they can thrive. Because in that space, the pores of the biochar are holding in nutrients that's holding in water, and it's allowing microbes to live in a protected space. And so you kind of want to, if you want to visualize something, just call it a coral reef for the soil. And that's where it takes clay soil and makes it less compacted and allows the soil to get healthier, sandy soils. It's holding in those nutrients and preventing them from washing away. That's a good visual. And, you know, for as far as sandy soil goes, I mean, that is one of the number one complaints that I've heard from people. I have a Facebook group and I asked, what are the top problems that you're dealing with in your garden? And almost 
that was like number two, I think, sandy yeah. soils and how, how to fix it. So I guess, I mean, it's like they pour all, all sorts of things into their soil. And if you have a soil, sandy soil condition and then you added biochar, how long do you expect that they're going to start noticing like a difference in the amount of water that it can hold and maybe microbial activity? So the, the amount of biochar I put in is important. We're going to recommend about 10% by volume in a sandy soil of biochar to hold it in. You're going to see the water issues um, managed almost immediately. The biochar itself is going to want to charge up. And so people get confused when they use those words. Biochar is activated because it's a thermal process. That means it has a lot of these great sites on it where things can interact and, and, and it can do its magic. But it's not charged up until it gets that nutrition in it and that water in it. And that happens naturally. So if you just put pure biochar into a sandy soil, you need to give it a, a couple of weeks for it to get used to the soil and, and it starts to kind of absorb some of those nutrients. And it's not taking it away as much as it's holding it there and eventually we'll re-release it to the soil microbes and the fungi will be able to do their thing. And all of a sudden you get better root growth and better plant growth and, and things and start to move forward. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and then as far as the remediation goes, that's something that's kind of confusing too, because the mycologists talk about micro-remediation, uh, but like once it's captured by the, I guess in their case, fungi, your case, the carbon, what happens to it? So in biochar, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a bio-remediation by itself. It's actually a chemical interaction. So it's, it's going to hold the, uh, like the, if there's a metal component like copper, some people might complain, let's say if you have copper gutters and there's copper somehow leaching into your soil, you don't like that. Or there's, you just have metal in your soil that are heavier metals in your soil. There's going to be what's called a cation exchange. And generally what you see is like a calcium or magnesium that's naturally in the biochar is going to be replaced by that heavy metal that was in your soil. So the soil is going to get a magnesium and take away a copper. You know, that's how it's kind of going to work. It allows it to sequester it, which means it's going to hold it in. Um, but I'll, I, I, I tell people, and I try to be as upfront as I can, as transparent as I can with how people need to understand it's not a permanent lockdown of that metal, but it's certainly right. going to hold it there for a long time. And it's going to allow your soil to heal itself naturally and be able to deal with that. Unless you remove a metal from the soil, you're not going to get rid of it, right? Um, and that's the same for radiation, isn't it? Yes, right. So that's exactly right, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Um, so you've launched your products online and on Amazon. Uh, how have you seen that work? So Amazon was our, uh, well, first there was our website. We just, uh, e-commerce platform. And that's where Tony is, he's an, an expert on that. And he was able to set up a very nice web page and everything for Wakefield. And I do encourage people to go there. We have all kinds of resources to learn about biochar. Yeah. That's a beautiful website. Yeah. So that was, that was our, our attempt. Now Amazon was the next step, right? So Amazon is something where we try to get in there and get it, get up that ladder of, of a popular item to sell. And we did. It just took a slow, a slow churn to try to get us up there and there. And what we've done is try to create packaging that are good for consumers. So if you're living in a, a big city, you don't necessarily want a cubic foot bag of biochar, but you're willing to grab a one pound bag of biochar, or, you know, one gallon uh -huh. bag of biochar, which is smaller. So we, we sort of specialized in getting smaller packages. And that's how we, we sort of developed a, a following in some of the bigger cities. And then for people who have raised bed gardens, we try to make it so that one cubic foot bag is really what you'd use for your raised bed garden, your eight by four. Okay. So pr super small little situation. And so how often would people be using your product? Like, 
I mean, as a conditioner. So as a soil conditioner, I mean, the one thing about biochar is it doesn't really decompose over time. It's there for hundreds of years. So if you've got a fixed bed garden and you know you're not getting a lot of erosion, that one cubic foot bag of biochar will last you as long as you keep that soil in there. If you're replacing it uh, annually, then you'd want to replace with biochar annually. Amazing. Yeah, when you're dealing with things like turf maintenance and, and uh, maybe or just your traditional uh, gardens that are kind of along your, you know, um, your yards that are not in planters, then really same sort of thing where you could do it maybe once a year, just do a top dressing or a topical application, try to get it raked into the soil. And it does move in and out of the soil vertically through, uh, if you're in climates where you have a freeze and a thaw, and in other climates, it just will, if you're aerating and stuff as well, it'll get its way down into the soil just naturally through through all kinds of different events that, that happen in them. Gotcha. And then I've, I also saw something on your website about orchards and fruit trees. Um, so how's, how's biochar being used to combat some of the problems that people are having with fruit trees? So one of the things that we've, we've received information on, and it's not something that, you know, so, you know, Wakefield didn't commission any of these studies. These were done by other groups like University of Florida, but they saw like there's a citrus greening disease, which is just really destructive. But there's been studies that show when you add biochar to like a nutritional source, you're healing the soil and you're generating a higher number of beneficial microbes that are basically beating back the, 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 the bad vectors, the, 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 the pathogens that are hurting the trees. And that's creating uh, trees that are healthier and producing more yields. And so that was a big deal for us to see that. And so we're working with, with as much as we can to get biochar out there for like citrus orchards. Another real quick example would be we're working in Wisconsin to try to deal with salt issues along the interstates. We're trying to work with uh, on, a, on a pilot study where we're putting biochar around newly planted trees in, along the interstates and to see if the biochar will help remediate against all that salt that's put down on the, on the roads every winter in these Ooh, wow, yeah. climates and to see if the trees can grow better. And so we're looking at that and we think that's going to be a real positive experience. And we're mixing it with a compost, we're creating a nutritional source, but we're also creating a barrier with biochar around the root ball to try to absorb that salt before it overwhelms the roots. So it sounds like that'd be the perfect uh, thing to be adding also if somebody's moving away from conventional agriculture, or they've, you know, been using certain conventional products in their garden, and now they want to go very natural. I, I think it is. It is. A, it certainly is a, a natural product. Uh, it's it's a what I'll call a pre-consumer waste wood. So it's wood that's not been used or sold to anyone. It's wood waste from mills and other places that has been converted to this carbon. So it's clean wood. And, and in general, there are other types of biochars made from other things, but it's something that's very natural for the soil. And it's, it's something that you could you could actually eat. We test it for all kinds of things, metals and organics, you know, PAHs and all kinds of stuff to make sure that we're we're providing something that's that's very clean. For people to use well and how is what is the ph how does that affect the ph of soil um so the ph of biochars is 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 always going to be a little bit basic it's going to be generally the phs of biochars are going to range between eight and ten you know our, our ph is around 8.5 for, for our biochar uh-huh. um, some biochars could be more that just means they have a lot more ash probably a lot less carbon um, if you have something that's more acidic i'll generally say that that's probably because of something they did during the pyrolysis where they did something that would be additive or something else that caused the pH to go lower. Uh, it's generally not common for that to happen for, for biochar to be acidic. Even neutral, you know, pH of seven is not generally common. But gotcha. if, you have an, if you have an acidic soil and you need to bring the pH up just a little bit, that's great. It's not really meant, 
it's not a line, you know, it's not meant right. to move pH around. Um, but just so people know, it's not, it's not acidic. Uh-huh. And now how did you, um, your, your type of biochar, how did you settle on the type that you're working with? Well, we looked at feedstock availability, consistency. We wanted to, to get away from things where we didn't know what we were going to have, and we wanted to be able to produce large volumes. And so we could make it into, really, we want to get into the mass market. And so waste wood, especially like a, in, the, in the southeast United States, there's a ton of pine trees that are, it's a waste wood, it's consistent, they're sustainably harvested. Weight, wood waste are because they're being used for other purposes, the wood when they're harvested, and then there's wood that's left over. And so we know that it's meeting FSC certifications. We know that they're they're caring for the forest. And so we like that idea. Um, there's other ways to get it, but we feel like that's a very consistent way to provide a product so that when you buy our stuff, it's whether it's you're in Maine, California, New Mexico, or Florida, you're getting the same product that we have. I'm kind of of the belief that you could tell people exactly how to do it by themselves. And most of the time, they're just going to go and buy your product anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen people online talking about how to do this by themselves, but I highly, highly doubt that most people listening are going to want to do that. So would you tell us, like, you know, the simple process of how it is made and the temperatures required? So the pyrolysis, um, so the small scale stuff is generally you have small stoves or, or kilns. And you have to basically create a, a fire, but that eventually turn, turns into something where it's called pyrolysis, is where you're heating the wood without oxygen. And that what that does is there's really no more smoke. Uh, there's no combustion occurring. And so you generate all that wood becomes either a gas, like a methane or hydrogen and some other gases that come off that can be used as fuel, or there can be a char that's left over with a little bit of ash. And the better you do it, the less ash there is, uh, which is good. And the thing you have to be careful, especially when people do it by themselves, is that all that gas that comes off, if you don't do it right, will condense back onto the char. And all of a sudden, you've got this oil on there that's not good for your plants. Uh, wow, so that's what, yeah. we, don't, we don't want people, we don't necessarily recommend it for just anyone. But on the large scale productions, um, you know, this is something that's done with a lot of uh, controls and engineering to it. Uh, and, and the temperatures for pyrolysis are between 300 degrees Celsius and about 800 degrees Celsius, maybe even a wire. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's actually pretty hot. Uh, yes. It, so it's, it's not a, uh, it's not for the people who don't uh, want, you know, to be really safe, I guess, just a lot of safety issues with that, but um, it's, it's great for little stoves, especially they use them uh, very, very well and, and very beneficially in third world countries to help replace certain type of cooking techniques that may be a little bit more dangerous than that. They have these wonderful stoves that are made for, for making pyrolysis uh, to heat and cook as well as create char uh, that they can use back in their fields. So That's interesting. Yeah, there's good and bad to everything. And I think there's a good way to use it. Uh, and that's one of them. And then, uh, But if you're just in your backyard, you think, hey, I'm going to do some biochar production today, I would just be a little cautious. <laughs> right. <laughs> just because it's a lot of, it's a high heat and you, you, you do need to watch it. Make yeah, sure totally. To make sure it's safe, yeah. There's a product that they use in Japan. They say it purifies water, and it makes sense that it could, considering from what I've read that the carbon molecule is attracting certain ions, mm-hmm. and you know it could pull out heavy metals from the water and probably pesticides or whatever. But I think I read that it, they heat it and then they cool it and then they heat it and cool it or something like that. Yeah. So um, generally, when you run through pyrolysis, once you've you've done it, you know you've you've got this wonderful char, biochar, and like I said, it's a low-grade activated carbon. So its surface area is 
like 350 meters squared per gram. Well, activated carbon is a thousand meters squared per gram or higher. Oh, interesting. Right. So it's still got a lot of surface area, surprisingly a lot of surface area, but it's not quite activated carbon. So you can use it as that. You can use it to to uh, filter water systems with it. And we we are actually working towards that and working with people to do that. And it can be very effective. So I think uh, the, the fact that they have to reheat it again means what they're trying to do is increase the surface area. That's, okay. putting in, that's putting in more energy, which is actually now possibly negating the carbon negative component of it because right. you're adding more energy to, to clean it. Um, so if they stopped at the first run, that's, that's the best way to go as far as sustainability. But by heating and, and doing other things to it later on, what you're doing is you're cleaning it up. You're creating more of an activated carbon. So it's not hmm. bad. It's just you got to know what you're talking about. So now it's, you know, or, or how they're selling it. Now it's more towards an activated carbon, which is Which totally, I'm pretty sure that's what they're selling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a wonderful product. It does its job. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not necessarily as energy friendly. Uh, environmentally friendly as someone who's doing biochar with like a one pass system. That makes sense. Well, and if you added biochar to soil that doesn't have enough organic matter, it's probably not going to be the right thing for them at that point. So do you help them with compost? We do. We've identified compost companies and specifically we like, like there's a group out of Fulton, Missouri called Bluebird Composting. They do a wonderful compost out of food scrap that we've used. And there's a couple other uh, composting companies out there that we, we talk to occasionally that uh, we try to find OMRI listed products for people. And really, we do try to encourage people just to understand that compost itself is also something that you need to understand what you're putting in your soil. It's a soil input. Um, so, so understand what it's made from and, and how, they, how they've uh, produced it. Mm -hmm. um, but we certainly do talk to people about that. Great. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? You know, I'm just su super encouraged. I, I enjoyed uh, looking through your podcast. I think you certainly cover a lot with gardening. And Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's been kind so, of all over the place. Yeah. But, no, I, uh, <laughs> now it's going to be more focused on soil going forward. So, Well, soil health, in, in, in many ways, I think soil health is like one of those future disciplines that's going to grow. You know, it's something that we're seeing more and more, and it's becoming more into realization that Soil health is what's going to help save us for on many fronts in the future as we grow as a, as a society and we start to realize our impact on the climate. Soil health is critical. I mean, it does so much. There's such a huge world in the soil. I hope people, people realize that. Like what we do to our soil is impacting so much from what we eat to the water we drink and, and the air we breathe. And so it's, it's such a critical part to everything we do. No kidding. And I'm I'm definitely an optimist. I feel that we will solve most of our problems, but it's we have to make changes very quickly and stop the things that we've been doing to damage our whole food supply and eco ec ecosystems. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and biochar is one of those things that I think does a lot of impact. It's a positive product, and I think we do the more things like biochar or biochar itself we do, is the better we're going to be. The quicker we're going to get to that answer we want. That's awesome. Great message. And I encourage everybody to visit your website. Do you want to tell everybody one more time how to find your website? Sure. It's wakefieldbiochar.com. Thank you very much, Aaron. My pleasure and good luck to you. Yeah, good luck to you. Thanks. Nice chatting. Thanks again for listening and for your support. Connect and share ideas on social media at Get In My Garden. Also, if you do go to my website, getinmygarden.com, it's pretty basic, but you can sign up for the newsletter easily there. 
I haven't sent much out yet, but I will send interesting articles and supplemental content through these emails, as well as news about Get In My Garden and promos when possible. Until next time.